Hey guys, it's Renee from Throwing Down with Renee and Misha. On this podcast, we are joined by Mark Raimondi from ESPN. We talk Ric Flair getting back in the ring at 73. We also take a look at UFC Vegas 54 as well as Misha's fight camp. We do a little check-in, see how Misha Tate is doing. Here we go. Guys, joining us right now on Throwing Down with Renee and Misha, we are joined by ESPN's Mark Raimondi. Mark, thank you so much for hopping on the show with us. How you doing? Well, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I've been I've been interviewing Misha for like almost ten years, so now I get the shoes <laughs> on the other foot, Misha. The tables have it turned. Is. The tables wow. have been turned. Welcome. I'm not sure about this. <laughs> I know it does feel a little weird. Well, I will start things off. Um, Just we've been talking a little pro wrestling here today. And uh, the big headline, of course, is that Ric Flair at 73 years old is stepping back Mm. into the ring. I know that you wrote an article for uh, for ESPN.com. What are your takeaways from this um, for this headline to exist and the fact that this this matchup is happening over SummerSlam weekend? Well, let's hope that, that everything that does happen in that match is, is safe and everything goes well and everyone comes out healthy because, as we know, as you mentioned, Renee Rick is, is 73 years old and he had uh, a health scare back in 2017. Kidney failure mm-hmm. it was pretty serious. Oh, yeah. uh, he was in the hospital for over a month and uh, it seems like he has been in better health uh, in recent months and years and he has been training for a comeback to wrestling. So it's not a huge surprise that he is doing this. He wants to do one final match. Um, I think a lot of people will be interested in seeing it. And again, I I think uh, to underscore, you know, uh, again, let's just hope everything uh, happens safely and everyone goes home happy. Of course. Yeah, I mean, listen, of course, that's the bottom line. You want everyone to be safe. You want everyone to have a good time. Um, Why do you think Rick wants to have this final match? It feels like there is a sense of unfinished business for him. And he, he left WWE last year. He asked for his release, and it was granted. And it, it seemed like at the time he was trying to hook on with maybe like an AEW. He has friends there, of course. There was some fallout from the Dark Side of the Ring episode yeah. about the plane ride from hell. So he, he caught a lot of that blowback for some of the allegations on that show. And I think it made some promotions not want to work with him, at least in the interim. But I think ever since he asked for his release from the WWE, and this is speculation, I think he always had in his mind that he was going to do one more match somewhere. And now we know when and where it's going to be. Dang. Um, Who do you think it's going to be against? That's a good question. I really hope it's a tag team match. I really okay. hope that it's like a tag or a, or a six-man tag so that... A six-man you know, would can... be great. Let him yeah. style and profile, come out and woo, throw some chops. Exactly, exactly. He, you, you protect him. He doesn't take any of the hard bumps. They can still be a decent match. You bring Rick in for his, yeah. For his signature Yeah, we don't need spot, a Ric Flair shot. comeback. No, we don't, we don't need Ric Flair, you know, getting caught on the top rope, getting tossed <laughs> off like he's done three trillion times we don't need that at 73 years old we don't need him taking any bumps comes in does the chops does the woo does the strut everyone goes home happy everyone is safe and healthy 
Yeah, that that sounds like best case scenario. And like knowing that Rick is training, you know, he's going to come out and he's going to look good. I think that's going to be a, a big thing for him is to, you know, throw on those trunks, throw on the boots and the robe. Remind everybody that he's, you know, he's he's in good shape right now. He's a lot healthier than he had been uh, when you mentioned back in 2017, being in the hospital for for a month and having quite the scare there. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully this is everything that he wants it to be to have this uh, final match. I know I'll definitely be watching this. Do you... As will I. I have a question for you, Renee. What's that? If, you're, if your husband, the, the wonderful oh John Moxley, at 73 years old, wanted to get back in the ring, what would be your reaction? <laughs> well, of course I would say no, but my husband also has a bit of a different wrestling style than uh, Ric Flair does. <laughs> so it depends on what exactly that would look like. I mean, if he's just going to go out there and give someone a bulldog choke, okay, we can do that. But is he going to go out and do some DDTs and be hard wang? Uh, his way through the match? Hopefully not. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely try to deter it as much as I could. But I will also say this. When you're married to a wrestler and somebody in this business, you know how much they love this business and they want to be around it all the time. So I think if that was something he really wanted to do at 73, it'd probably be pretty hard for me to talk him out of it. <laughs> I can see Mox at 73 bleeding in some auditorium somewhere. No, God. I hope not. If, if he does, I'll send Nora with him. That'll be her problem at that point. Like, go with your dad. Make sure he's all right. Let me know he's fine. <laughs> like, oh, I'm over chaos. it. Yeah, I've been there, done that. Oh, my God. This guy's nuts. Um, all right. But a, another – yeah, let's oh, get into I, UFC. I was going to ask you, no. Do you have – have we have – we, have we, um, just done the WWE discussion. Can I can I scoot over to the UFC or do you have anything else? Go for it. No, nope, it's all yeah, you. The floor all right. is yours. All right, all right. Well, we had an unfortunate main event um, in the light heavyweight division. Obviously, I know you saw it. So, give me your thoughts on that and and on Blahovich. You know, asking for the title shot. Like, do you think that this was enough for him to be next in line, or what do you think about Uncle Ivan Smith? This uh, give me a general thought on that light heavyweight division right now. Yeah, good question, and um, it, it is it is always unfortunate when a fight ends in that way due to injury because it's really not great for anyone because you know Jan Blagojevich was yeah. fighting a great fight, he was winning that fight, and now he's going to be kind of discredited in in certain circles because it was an injury that caused the finish and and not you know not a, not a blow from him. But, I mean, I, I, I think you have to give him credit. I think that, that Jan fought a really good fight. I thought I was really impressed by, by the work that he was doing on the lead leg and also his combinations. Uh, and, and I also think, you know, all of that damage to the calf that Rakic took, and I'm not a doctor and I'm certainly not a fighter, but you, ha- you have to think that some of that damage on the lead leg was also causing him to put more weight on the back leg, which is the one that, that blew out the, 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 yeah. the, the right knee. So, I'm not, again, I'm not a doctor, but you have to give some credit to Blagojevich for doing that. As far as the title picture at light heavyweight, I think Blagojevich has a, has a case to be made. He is the former champ, of course. He's, you know, now he's won his first fight since the title. But I, I do think, uh, you know, Magomed Ankalaev, you mentioned that fight against Anthony Smith coming up. I think if he looks impressive against Anthony Smith, which very few people are able to do against Anthony Smith because he's one of the toughest guys in that division, I think Ankalaev could get the nod for the title shot next also depends on what happens with Yuri Prochaska and Glover Teixeira on June 11th at UFC 275, which is going to be a great, um, a great title fight. 
So the, the division looks very interesting right now. And, uh, you know, I think Jan is right there. Of course, it would have been better if he if it was a finish or if he won by decision rather than the injury. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, any other standout moments from Vegas 54? I mean, I thought it was like a, it was a good card, like solid card. Wasn't like anything super great. But was there anything else that really stood out to you as a monumental moment? Uh, nothing monumental. The Lewis Smoke and Davy Grant fight was really good. Ooh, was so um, good. I was impressed by uh, Man- Manuel uh, Torres in his UFC debut. Um, the Mexican fighter, I thought, I thought it looked very impressive. Um, and uh, Ryan Span getting uh, getting a big submission win over Ian uh, uh, Kutalaba. We mentioned the light heavyweight division. That was also kind of a key fight in that division for Span. So yeah, so a few a few interesting uh, developments yeah. on that card for sure. Okay, well I I want to ask you. Oh. Personally, I, I'm so sorry, Renee. Um, about about um, this next week's card. I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit here, but uh, what do you, who do you got for Holly Holm, Catlin VR? Just just personally interested. Yeah, I, I I'm sure you are personally interested, uh, Misha. So <laughs> I mean, I, I think uh, I think that um, it's a I'm I'm super interested in that in this fight. First of all, I think that Holly Holm, she has not fought in a while. She's not fought since 2020. It'll be interesting to see what she looks like in her return. But I think, I think we all know that Holly is always solid. She, she's always come to the fight. She's always a gamer. And then uh, Vieira, uh, the last time we saw her was in the cage against uh, someone who might be in this conversation right now, and it wasn't me or Renee. Uh, and uh, I, thought she looked really good. I thought she looked really good in that fight. Um, uh, maybe, maybe her best performance to date. Um, all, all, all respect to the opponent in that fight, who also did very well and fought very tough. Uh, but I, I think this is a really important fight for the division um, because we have, you know, Nunez Pena coming up in the summer, the rematch. And Hell yeah. I think I think I think if I think a Nunez wins, it'll be a trilogy. But if Pena can pull it off, your girl, Misha, I think if she can pull it off again, uh, this could be it. This could be a number one contender fight for that division uh, for, you know, home. Yeah. So it's, it's a really, really important fight. And, uh, you know, for home. You know, the last time she was a champion, uh, it was a, it was a while ago. I know you know that very well, uh, also Misha. Uh, and and we were just talking about Carla Esparza, right, coming back after seven eight years and winning the title back. Holly yeah. Holm could be in a similar position at the at the at the end of this year or, or next year if she wins this fight against Vieira. So it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, I think interesting. so too. Interesting. All right, well, Mark, listen, it's almost halfway through the year we have been gifted some real great fight cards uh so far this year what's the fight of the year for you so far oh not boy. to put you on the spot <laughs> sorry i did, I did not prep you on that so at all far. um that's really um putting you on the spot but you i mean you can jump around you don't have to like give us a, a hard and fast fight of the year but what are some of the big ones that really stick out for you gosh this is this is putting me on the spot. Thanks, Renee. Jeez. I know it's sorry, a tough one. sorry. The, because I always get confused. Like I always mix up a little bit. Like sometimes those co- fights that happen just at the end of the year last year. And I like, know. I have to I have to write them down yeah. and be like, oh yeah, yeah. that fight happened Completely this year. Agree. You know, like <laughs> yeah, I, I do that too. Like at the end of the year, at the end of the year when we're doing uh, like you know fight of the year for 2022, and I'm thinking like, wait, was that fight in December? 2021 or was that like in january or it's did so it even confusing. happen this year i don't even know but uh but i but i think i think the one that that jumps out to me is uh is gilbert burns versus hamza chmaya right from jacksonville uh yeah. that fight was uh 
was a tremendous three-round back-and-forth war where both guys rocked the other. Both guys got dropped. There was, there was heavy damage done by both. And it was an important fight. It was an important fight in the welterweight division. So I think as far as the, the excitement level and also the stakes in the fight, that's probably my fight of the year so far. This is without having done any, any you know, research. <laughs> no preliminary my research. Head, my bad. <laughs> yeah, off the top of my head, I would say Chamaya Burns is, is my fight of the year so far. Hell yeah. Misha, yeah. what pops to mind for you? Um, Outside of that, I really enjoyed the Brandon Reno versus Figueroa 3. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty damn good fight card. Yeah. Um, well, there was a Julian Rosa. He was a, been a, he was a teammate of mine from way back in Yakima. So that's why I remember that fight. Um, I mean, like literally from like day one, like our from the ground up, like he was like a kid wow. that like came in off the streets, uh-huh. was like skateboarder, and like I've watched him his whole career. So, um, seeing him get that fight against uh, Peterson, there was a split decision, but there was a hell of a war. And then not to have like recency bias or anything, but what you just mentioned about Smolka and, and Davy Grant, I mean, mm-hmm. I just feel like that's kind of like one of those that's under the radar. That you, you, like you you you're not tuning in to like see that fight but it just really delivered in a lot of big ways it doesn't necessarily have title ramifications people aren't necessarily talking about it but i thought that was a hell of a fight it was really really good i feel like there should be something in there with like max holloway that i'm just not necessarily thinking of but uh max is always a good fight, he hasn't right? fought yet this year oh, okay so i see <laughs> there we go that's the July. problem okay <laughs> yeah he's on my card actually that's right that's yeah, right. making my flyweight debut. What do you think about that? Wow, putting me on the spot again here. Wow. Well, of course. Uh, I mean, we I, didn't I think, call you uh, in not to put like you on the spot. I mean, you've done this to me questions. millions of times. You didn't come here for softballs. That's true. Let's go. That's true. Come okay, on, Mark. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> no, I think I think it's I think it's great. I mean, it it seems like uh, it seems like you made the weight. I know it's never easy to make the weight at 135, but it seems like you made it pretty pretty nicely and and. Uh, I'll be honest, I thought Vieira looked enormous in that fight. She looked fucking huge. I mean, sorry for my language. Yeah. <laughs> hey, felt like that when I was in the fight. Like, when we were in the face-offs at the weigh-ins, I'm like, oh, she's not that big. But she just, I don't know, it's like she transforms overnight. And, like, in the fight, all of a sudden, it was like, wow, she's really long. Like, oh, she's really <laughs> tall. Like, it was weird. Like, it was just a, just a, like a something I felt like I didn't expect to have to adjust to as much as I did in the fight. And I've never had those physical advantages really at 135 and I just think I've always fought at 135 because that's what was always available to me I just never really considered anything else when I started that was it that's all there was and then now I've come back and I'm like wait a minute like what if you know what like what if I could boss these girls around at 125 you know what if I push them around grab them throw throw them down like I wouldn't have to deal with some of those physical advantages that as the sport has continued to evolve have become more of you know more of an issue it didn't used to be like being the smaller person for me wasn't really that much of an issue because I usually always had the better wrestling so I was like oh just you know you know take one and I'll just grab them and I'll get them down and it won't matter anymore you know (laughs) but the sports evolved like let's be honest so I I just think maybe yeah maybe fighting girls that are 10 pounds smaller and aren't going to be giants um might serve me well I remember asking you about 125 many many years ago before the ufc had the division and you said that you were so against it, you were right? open to it well oh. no i think i think you okay. said you, you were open to it but 
it was just nothing on the radar. I, this is probably yeah. like eight years ago or something like that. When oh, I yeah. Well, at that time, too, right? I was like closer, 135. There was the storylines at 135. It was oh, just yeah. like the bigger yeah. division. But now I just feel like there's, you know, there's opportunity at both to, to make good storylines and, you know, Valentina being there and her goat conversation. It's obviously always very interesting. And we, we haven't seen somebody like really get in there and wrestle her. You know, we haven't seen anybody really get in that I can recall recently. Um, other than, um, uh, what, what is her name? The uh, one that got her down for like a round and it was more of a, there we go. Maya, that's what I think of. And, um, it was more of a mistake anyways that that Valentina made to even end up on bottom. But the fact is, she was stuck there for the majority of a round. She lost the round. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> what could <laughs> I do Maya, in that situation? And, and Maya doesn't even have like a, a wrestling pedigree the way that you do. Right. And I don't so... think Shevchenko has fought anyone who has that, who's been a straight-up wrestler. Right? She really has not fought anyone who's been a straight-up wrestler, at least not at 125. She fought Juliana, of course, at 135. Not yet. There you go. There's, there's, <laughs> there's the clickbait headline. There's the yeah, right? headline. Well, Mark, thanks so much for uh, for hopping on here with us. We'll have to have you back on the show 100%. I like having Misha being able to flip the flip the tables on you a little bit and ask you some questions. <laughs> now, I, now I know what it feels like. Okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah, right? <laughs> you get it. A little taste of your own medicine. How you exactly. like it now? all right we'll talk to you soon mark thanks for having me guys hey everybody this is Lindsay rhodes and with the nfl playoffs underway what better time than now to check out my podcast the nfl road show we're going to break down the biggest games key players every angle in between with guests that go past the low-hanging fruit and get to what you really need to know we'll have new episodes every monday and thursday all the way through super bowl 56 in my hometown of los angeles so please subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the sxm app included with most subscriptions Okay, so it's all going down July 2nd, UFC 276. It's official, official, official. T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada against Lauren Murphy, the number two ranked flyweight. Um, And you're going to be making your flyweight debut at 125. How are you feeling at this exact moment? Well, it's funny. I didn't know she was going to be in Phoenix, but she was there. And um, so I ran into her, but we're, Mm -hmm. we're totally cool. Like we're amicable. Like when she was on the Ultimate Fighter um, I was like, like coming in as just kind of like a little bit of a, you know, guest coach or whatever. And so we trained together a little bit before. She's awesome. Um, how am I feeling? Good question. Well, I'll be honest. I'm sick of dieting. I'm really mm, sick of dieting. Kind of yeah. sick of running, but I'm also actually kind of starting to like it more, which is a really weird twist, like a plot Running's twist in the weird, story. Running is weird, man. Running it's is a plot weird twist for like me. that. Yeah. It's it really is like I I'm not like I'm not somebody who typically enjoys running but you know what I started doing hmm. I started driving around and and um like sometimes I'll just like stop in like a a certain neighborhood that I like like the houses in and I'll just like run yeah. around there and I I get ideas for my house or my yard or I'm like oh I want to do that just like anything yes. to entertain me and I'm like oh I'm kind of wait a minute am I enjoying this right now like, <laughs> I'm out here yeah. running for 45 minutes and I'm kind of liking it so like, I, I keep get this that. up afterwards so I've always been like a runner to a degree that like I don't like it either it's just a thing I've always done love or hate it but I'm more of like a treadmill runner um, but even so it's like 
sometimes you're just like, get me out of here. I'm sick of thinking about running. I'm done listening to whatever it is I'm listening to. Yeah. Like it's, I was, I was talking to you about this a couple of weeks ago. Cause I was like, how do you stay like entertained during it? Cause it's more so a mind over matter thing for me. Like my body can keep running, but my brain's like, no, no, we're actually finished with this activity. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. yeah. What do you, that- what else do you do other than like, yeah, look at people's uh, gardens and houses. You know, I started listening to a sports uh, like psychology podcast because I think it's really important to exercise our minds as, yeah. as athletes, but probably as people too. So I was just like, you know what? I just want to listen to something that's going to kind of like remind me that this is not forever like this is not this this too shall pass right like this is not forever like how do I get over mental hurdles emotional hurdles it's taxing it's hard I'm a mom I have so many hats and things that I'm trying to wear that sometimes I don't have the energy for both or you feel like you're failing at something no matter what and um just to remind me of that so I was listening to a sports uh psychology podcast really enjoyed it this morning made my run so awesome and um the other thing that I did was, so I was supposed to fight this weekend. I was actually supposed to fight right. May 14th, yes. right? So on the 13th, Friday the 13th, actually, it just passed. I hope everybody survived. Um, I did a little sweat rate test. So I kind what of is was that? Just what like, is, like, what is that? So it's basically mimicking a portion of what we would do in a smaller quantity um, to just kind of see how much sweat that I lose in an hour's time of like what we would do on weight cut day. And then we rehydrate up. We don't pull like what, you know, we don't try to like make weight or anything. We just kind of like use it as a gauge. I would have made, I would have made weight if I was fighting that, if I was fighting as a bantamweight, I would have made weight easily. Wow. So that means that I've still got seven weeks and uh we're really well on target so it's really really good yeah things are going great I'm just like I'm just these might be stupid questions but I'm just fascinated on how like our bodies work in order for you to drop this weight class because it's not just like oh there's body fat to be lost that's not what the case is so for you to change your body you're changing your muscle mass you're changing like how like what all goes into that oh it's so cool it really it's it blows my mind but I have one of the best coaches in the business coach Cal with training lab got to give a huge shout out to him because there's no way I think I would be doing this if it wasn't for him but essentially we're changing the muscle fiber a little bit to more type one than type two which is like a heavier uh heavier muscle and also two is heavier Type two is heavier, yeah, because it's more dense. So okay. type one is more like you'll see like long distance runners, those kind of like long, slim bodies, right? And type one is yeah. like the sprinter, right? So they have like yes. that big bulk. So we're just like taking a little bit down, but we're also, it's so cool. So I do like these two hour workouts on Tuesdays and Saturday mornings, which are really grueling, but we do a lot of endurance and then we do some lifting as well to keep the explosivity up and teach my body which muscles are like we can get rid of, like we don't really need that as much and which muscles are important to the acts that I'm going to be doing. So that's also been really mind blowing to me that you can kind of teach your body to keep what's important and like pull from the stuff that's not essential to making 126 because we are going to have to pull some muscle off. I have to. Um, I don't have the body fat. I was like something like 9% body fat. My last fight at at 35. So shit. That's crazy. 
Yeah. So we don't have a lot of body fat to pull from. I'm, I'm like, as, like I said, I'm as lean as I would be fight week going into bantam weight. So that's what I have to do though, to make 125. But hell yeah, I feel, I, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm sick of the dieting. Um, I'm kind of over, you know, having to run every day. Although I, like I said, a plot twist, I'm starting to enjoy a little bit. So maybe this is a good thing. And, (laughs) um, I'm excited to debut against Lauren Murphy. You know, she's Mm -hmm. still ranked in the top five. She just came off of a loss against Valentina Shevchenko. She got finished in four rounds. My thought is kind of like, what if I get it done inside three? Like, what are people going to say? You know, like, yeah, like, you know, and like, no, like it. It took the champ four rounds. I, she probably could have, you know, tried to do it a little faster or whatever. Maybe she was just taking her time because she knew it was five. But regardless, if I get it done inside three, well, I think I might well, be knocking well, on the well. door here. This is very exciting stuff. Like, what a what a way for you to, like, come back into MMA, to have these moments, now to be dropping a weight class. Like, you are a true fucking hero. Just oh, putting I that love out you. There. Thank you. Just um, putting that out there, girl. I'm excited. It's I'm excited. Cool. You know, she's she's a really great test, but she's ranked in the top five, so I'm gonna really insert myself. And you know, I'm 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 happy. Like in my first fight back, I'm I jumped right back into the top ten rankings after five years off and two kids. And then you know, I fought an up in elevation and up uh, not up in elevation, but like up in rankings, I should say, elevating. Um, Ketlin Vieira, you know, and I and I. I I look at that fight as a narrow win. I know that I didn't win on the scorecards. I didn't win. But for me, it was a win because it was such a, a step up in competition after such a long layoff. And I, I stood with a longer rangier girl who, you know, I just think that I made such good improvements. So mm-hmm. if I can make those improvements in the striking this late in the game, my wrestling, my grappling is still there. I just haven't made it the focal point. Now I'm ready to marry everything. I'm really, yeah. I pushed myself in that striking department and I'm ready to get back in there. And, and Laura Murphy will be the woman standing across from me July 2nd. Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Nari Balin. Special thanks to Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and Sirius XM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Sirius XM Podcasts.